0: Steven Silas laying down the law for the Houston Rockets in regards to Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. Garrison Matthews makes his return to the Rockets lineup. Jalen Green's offensive struggles against the 76ers and more coming up right here at Locked On Rockets.
1: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one.
0: What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. is a new app that helps you save your money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need or want, and can even negotiate better deals on the ones that you want to keep. So be sure to go check out our friends over at Truebill. Now, this is a bit of a catch-up episode, unfortunately, because late Monday evening after the 76ers game, uh, for the th- third time in the last, like, Three to four months, my computer decided to blue screen on me, and I was honestly so defeated that I just kind of went to bed and gave up on life. So that was all kinds of fun, and then I got it fixed up Tuesday morning, mid-afternoon, whatever time it was. So, bit of a catch-up episode here, but I want to lay the groundwork for what we're what we're tackling in today's show. Going to talk a little bit about the. Decisions by Stephen Silas to suspend KPJ and Christian Wood because Steve, I think that's worth covering uh, to, to go over how that situation kind of resolved itself, as well as talking about uh, some of the storylines from the 76ers game. Uh, we had Garrison Matthews finally back in the Rockets lineup. He had a big night. Jalen Green's offensive struggles and a few other storylines from that one. It's also worth noting uh, really quick before we get into the suspension stuff with KPJ and wood that Armani Brooks and Usman Garuba are both currently in health and safety protocols. And then as far as any updates on the Alperin Shingun front with his injury, uh, the team said that they would wait a week and then that he would be reevaluated. So we should find out more information on what's going on with Alp and how much longer uh, he'll be out probably around this Friday. I would assume either Friday or Saturday will be when we get our first official timetable update on Alperin Shingun. So with that, Let's go ahead and get into the decision by Steven Silas. I'm going to run back a couple of clips uh, from pregame before the 76ers game even took place of Silas kind of going over his decision making process regarding KPJ and Wood. And this first one I think is really important because Silas highlights that there are differences in the situation with Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood, which I think is really, really important because I viewed the situations differently in my first podcast reacting to the events of New Year's Day halftime shenanigans against the Nuggets. So I think the situations are different, and apparently so does Steven
1: Silas. They're kind of being lumped together, which I understand because it's the same game. But uh, as far as uh, Kevin, the, you know, like I said, we had a spirited debate. He lost his temper at halftime um, to the point where I thought for what would be best for the team and the best for our culture as a group. And the um, just making sure that everybody is on the same page, I thought it would be best for him to be suspended for, for today's game. Uh, Christian, um, we had a disagreement as far as him going back into the game in the second half. And um, I decided it would be best for the team. And it's very much attached to accountability for for everybody on our team. And my job is to hold people accountable to their actions and not overreact at all, but react appropriately. So that was the decision.
0: So as far as Steven Silas's decisions to handle KPJ and Christian Wood, suspensions for both of them, I would assume both are going to be bo- back on the floor and active for the game against the Washington Wizards Wednesday evening. Now that said, I think if you kind of read between the lines a little bit with what Steven Silas said there, and then also you know through the rest of his pregame presser, I think it's very apparent that the situations are being viewed Uh, differently from Silas and from the organization because with Kevin Porter jr. And again, this was the impression that I got previously after everything had first happened and we were all kind of still reacting to it right before any official uh, decisions had, you know, come out of the organization about them. But with KPJ, it seems like there's an understanding that, you know, his emotions got the better of him, but that it's, not a deal breaker and that yes, he needs to be, you know, punished accordingly for it. That's why the suspension happened, all of that. But with Christian Wood, it almost seems like there's like a resignation factor there. And again, I thought the situations were two very completely different things because again, from from my standpoint, it's KPJ was frustrated uh, as a competitor, as somebody who, you know, was frustrated with the way things were going. Whereas Christian Wood just completely gave up right? KPJ being, you know, set aside, saying, Hey, you know, he, you know, it's too much right now, too emotional, you know, all that. Whereas Christian Wood just gave up. And and for me, give me the guy that wants to compete at the highest level. Give me the guy that's upset about how things are going rather than the guy who just tucks his tail between his legs and gives up. Right. And so I think that right now with how the situation has been handled by the organization, I think you have to, absolutely commend Steven Silas for putting his foot down and making an example of these two and basically saying, you know, holding them accountable, right? That's what he said. He's all about accountability and it's his job as the head coach to establish that culture later when asked in the pregame presser about, you know, was there any, you know, any back and forth on his decision to, you know, carry out a suspension on uh, you know, for two of his best players versus having to, you know, be shorthanded and like balancing his desire to win. And he said there is no like conflict because it's about what's doing what's right and the, about establishing the right culture and the right mindset. And you know, he's the leader of that group of guys in the locker room. And so I think that, you know, for anybody that wants to point at Steven Silas and say, oh, he's, he's in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. I think that there's a side of Steven Silas that we're not exactly privy to. Um, You know, he seems, very easygoing and pleasant with the media. But at the same time, I think that when he needs to, he's absolutely putting his foot down and controlling that locker room. And a big part of that, which I've spoken about before is the fact that this team plays hard and fights hard for him. And the fact that guys are bought in the fact that guys are frustrated enough to want to speak out. There was additional reporting that came out from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that cited that there was a player that, you know, was directly challenging Christian Wood in the Rockets locker room. And a lot of people are pointing towards like Jay Sean Tate as like the guy. And I would absolutely 110% be like, yeah, it was probably Jay Sean. Um, But it could have been, you know, it could have been any number of uh, players on the Rockets roster that were directly challenging Christian Wood and expecting him to set a better example as, you know, one of the, you know, veterans of the team. But I think that overall, the, way that they're handling this KPJ situation. I didn't expect this to be a deal breaker with KPJ. And later on in the pregame presser, Steven Silas uh, shared his thoughts on the situation with KPJ. And I thought it was really important what he had to say. So let's run that back really quick.
1: is, uh, and he's emotional. Uh, He's a competitor. (laughs) He's a good kid. He uh, owns up to his mistakes when he makes them and tries not to make mistakes again. And that's pretty much all you can ask for from a guy. So yeah, we put a lot into him and we knew uh, that he had a past uh, before he came here. But, um, you know, we hold everybody accountable to to what they do. And um, he crossed the line and he'll be back. And we'll still love him. We'll still uh grow with him and everything will be okay. So uh yeah, for we spent a lot of time and for this to be uh blown out of proportion, it should not be. It should be a bump in the road, and we continue on because if you really love somebody, you don't take one instance and, and uh say that's it or or make it to where it's more than it is you love them and then when stuff like this happens you love them even more
0: wow i mean steven silas is a quote machine but that was a really really powerful quote you love them even more and i think that is almost kind of the embodiment of steven silas as a head coach and i think that all too often we forget about like the human element of this game that I cover, that we are fans of, that we love, that we live and breathe. Right. And, this understanding by Steven Styles that it's a bump in the road and it shouldn't be blown out of proportion is huge. Uh, I wasn't ready to give up on KPJ. A lot of rockets, a lot of rockets fans weren't ready to give up on KPJ after this. But then there was, you know, small subsection of people that were like, "Oh, this is exactly what happened in Cleveland, and you know, trade him, get him out of here, you know, all this stuff." No, like it's a learning experience. They grow, they move past it. Uh, KPJ has already expressed his, you know. Apologies for how he lost his temper, how he handled things, uh, and if anything, this situation and, and hearing Steven Silas talk about that has kind of resolidified my belief in him as the coach to help guide this young Rockets team, at least in the you know in the immediate future, because that's the kind of guy you want to have in your corner as a head coach, right? And we can criticize and critique some of the X's and O stuff and the timeouts, lineups. Yeah, sure. Steven Silas is also still just a sophomore head coach. He's still figuring stuff out himself, but that type of person that like Steven Silas is just a good person, right? Good head on his shoulders. And to be the leader of this Rockets team, to be the one establishing the culture in this Rockets locker room, that's exactly the kind of person you want at the helm of a team. So Coming up, I do want to talk about the actual game that took place against the Philadelphia 76ers, and we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill because, look, You know why free trials renew without your consent. It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard-earned money. Download Truebill to finally take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button press. It is that easy. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on MBA. Go right now. That's truebill.com slash locked on MBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's truebill.com slash locked on MBA. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, where we thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, go check out Locked on Now, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked on Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the new Locked on NBA YouTube channel. So let's get into this Rockets 76ers game in which the Rockets played a really competitive first half of basketball. Um, things kind of, you know, Rockets losing their footing a bit in that third quarter. Uh, I mean, hey, they led at halftime, right? They led by one at, at halftime. So things were actually going, looking pretty solid, all things considered, with no Christian Wood, no Kevin Porter Jr., going up against Joel Embiid, and, for the most part, the Rockets' defensive scheme was working in the first half. They were flat-out doubling Joel Embiid incessantly, getting the, forcing the ball out of his hands, making him a playmaker. Um, but at the end of the day, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid, and he was getting his, uh, as the game wore on, finished the night with 31 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists, a triple-double on 12 of 20 shooting. It was a ridiculous night for Joel Embiid. He basically got whatever he wanted right at the rim whenever the Rockets didn't double-team him or doubled him late. Um, I mean, if he had Daniel Tice sealed under the rim, it was good night. It was all she wrote. It was ridiculous. Um, But in this game, the Rockets did get Garrison Matthews back, and he had a huge night in his return to the Rockets lineup. Garrison Matthews was sorely missed. Uh, and he's, you know, one of the reasons that moving forward, I, I, he just changes the complexion of the team offensively, defensively. He gives them so much on both sides of the basketball. Finished the night with 23 points on six of 10 shooting, four of eight from behind the three point line, and was also seven of eight at the free throw line. And I think that's a big part of Garrison Matthews' game that he's starting to kind of figure out now a couple a hand, you know some chunk of those free throws were from being fouled on three point shots which was great right got fouled in the corner on one of them got the four point play on another one uh, so part of it was just lack of discipline by the 76ers defenders but i think there's a part of Garrison's game where he's learning how to take advantage of when defenses are overplaying him and there's two instances specifically that stand out from this game one of them was a uh sideline out of bounds play where the rockets have run this a few times now where they run that uh that baseline out of bounds play and you've got Garrison who's coming off of a slight like curl and he just dives towards the rim because it looks like at first he's kind of curling out towards the three point line and then he just turns on the jets and cuts in towards the rim and usually it's like Kevin Porter Jr is handling the uh the Passing from the from the sorry the inbounds pass. There we go. Words. What are they? And uh, we've seen KPJ and Garrison Matthews connect on a handful of those so far this season. Uh, and so Garrison Matthews hit that curl and went immediately up for the shot. Got fouled. Didn't get the and one. Didn't make the shot. But then got to the free throw line off of that. And then there was another another situation where because Garrison Matthews was. Connecting on so many threes in this one, and was really living, feasting behind the arc. There was a point where Garrison was coming off of a pin down and had hit a three-point shot off of the on the weak side of the floor, coming off of a pin down screen. And he it like it was like one play before he hit the three. Then he came back down on like the very next player, a couple of plays later, and ran the exact same action, but instead of coming all the way across the screen. He waited until the defender was on his hip and then dove towards the rim and got immediately hit with the pass and was able to get an easy two right at the cup. And it's those moments from Garrison as he's getting used to the way that defenses are starting to overplay him and respect him as a shooter. He's on opposing scouting reports now. Teams understand that they cannot leave him open or they understand that a lot of his offense is generated by off-ball movement and where he's going to be coming off of screens or he's going to be relocating to opposite corners and stuff to try and find open spots or just running out in transition and spotting up at the three-point line and hoping somebody can find him to create. So I, I think that's a nice little growth and a nice little wrinkle in Gary Bird's game as defenses are continuing to get accustomed to having to you know, account for him on a nightly basis. So seeing him take advantage of those moments is huge. One of the other lines that I've got from this game uh, before I get into the Jalen Green stuff because I want to do that in the next segment is uh, Jay Tate. And first off, I will say that for a game where the Rockets only had legitimately one center in Daniel Tice, which I will say that the <sighs> offensively, especially in the second half, it was kind of a train wreck. Um, Daniel Tice finished with more shot attempts than Jalen Green, and that is a travesty of the highest order. Um, Tice finished with 13 shots, uh, 3 of 12 from the floor, 1 of 7 from the three-point line. Uh, Jalen Green finished 3 of 12 from the floor, and that's just can't happen. There's zero reason ever in all time for Daniel Tice to finish with more shot attempts than Jalen Green. It's unacceptable. That said, for a game where the Rockets only had legitimately the one center, I do want to give some shout outs to Jay Sean Tate and David Nwaba, who both played spectacularly well in the absence of a true center on the floor. Stephen Silas kind of staggering his lineups to a, you know, a bit to where he, he would have Jay Sean Tate and David Nwaba kind of out there at the same time to make up for the fact that one of those two guys had to be checking Joel Embiid uh, for portions of this game when Daniel Tice wasn't on the floor. So I do kind of like that chess match there from Steven Silas trying to figure out how he was going to contain Joel Embiid without Daniel Tice, even though he was trying his best to match Daniel Tice's minutes to Joel Embiid. The Rockets were just so much worse off with Daniel Tice on the floor. Ultimately, they wound up playing some of their best basketball in that second quarter when Daniel Tice was sitting. So nothing new there, unfortunately. Um, it's, just, it's Joel Embiid. He's a handful, and at least offensively, they were able to kind of cause some mismatches uh, with having a bunch of wings on the floor and being switchable and being able to double Joel and be that way forced other guys to beat you rather than offensively the the black hole on offense that Daniel Tice is at times, unfortunately. My point on Jay Sean Tate, though, uh, that's kind of a little aside there. Tate needs to be better about his foul trouble, like, or not foul trouble specifically, but about fouling. Um, I think that it's just like he he takes some really bad fouls at times. And and I've harped on this before. And like, I don't like it when he takes take fouls, like in transition. And even Ryan Hollins talks about it on the broadcast quite often. Jay Sean Tate is such an integral part of this Rockets team that, especially on a night where you don't know how that night was going to go having to guard Joel Embiid and who was going to be in foul trouble and who wasn't like to see Jay Sean Tate, take a take foul in that situation. Just I'd rather them give up an easy transition bucket than Jay Sean Tate ever take a take foul in transition unless the team is up by like 15 20 points or something and it's so that he can check out of the game because it's garbage time and the bench players are coming in right that's fine and then he had another one where he fouled uh Andre Drummond like under the basket like swiping at the ball trying to like you know steal it get an offensive rebound like from Andre Drummond you know 90 90 feet away from you know their own basket it was just it was bad so Don't like either of those fouls from Jay Sean Tate. I want to see that part of his game cleaned up specifically. But coming up, I do want to talk about Jalen Green's offensive struggles in this game. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, it's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Honestly, maybe even better than a candy bar, right? Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or gritty or the consistency is just a little bit off, right? And the flavors, they've got so many great options to choose from, strawberry, cookies and cream, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu and you can check them out. Just visit Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com and another message from our friends over at betonline.ag because betonline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of your sports action this season. So head over to their website and use your promo code that's locked on. So again, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season, as well as the rest of the 2022 season, right? BetOnline does not stop. The year's rolling over. BetOnline stays fresh. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. BetOnline, where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Be sure to tune back in for our next episode as we'll be recapping. Fingers crossed, no blue screen of death. We'll be recapping the Rockets-Wizards game Wednesday evening. Now, for your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets. Make yourself a little bit of money, right? Your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. That's Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Now, want to talk about Jalen Green's game against the Philadelphia 76ers because Unfortunately, Green had his first bad game back from the hamstring injury, finishing with just 12 points on three of 12 shooting. He had a couple turnovers, no assists, just three rebounds, uh, only one of five from the three-point line. And it kind of looked like to me that Green was being a little, uh, that you know the decisiveness wasn't quite there. There was some indecision in in his game. And so I asked Steven Silas about it post-game. What did you think of Jalen's decision making coming off of pin downs and out of dribble handoffs tonight?
1: Um, it was okay. He, uh, there were times where they were going under and he wasn't prepared for the under. Um, so we'll watch that tomorrow and get it fixed. And, you know, uh, when you have a center, well, two centers like they had in MB and, uh, Drummond and you're trying to turn the corner. Those are two big dudes (laughs) that you're trying to turn the corner and go at. So it's probably, he's never seen that before, (laughs) I would think. And then there were times where, like I said, they were going under. So um, new experience for him, 19 years old. he will learn from it, just like he has kind of learned as we've gone along and get better. But, um, yeah, the the, uh, dribble handoffs and, and that kind of thing were a little bit more difficult because of the way that they were playing
0: so Stephen Silas sharing his thoughts and insight on how Jalen was approaching or how Jalen was approaching the uh, the way that the 76ers were defending him in this game. And it kind of matches my eye test from what I saw during the game. Again, some moments where he just wasn't quite ready for how, for what the defense was throwing at him. Um, and I do think to Stephen Silas's credit, right, when he's talking about uh, – Embiid and Drummond and those are some big dudes. Um, You know, at one point, uh, Jalen Green went in, tried to you know get a shot up at the rim, and Embiid erased it. Right, so that had to have kind of been sticking with him a little bit. Not to say that he was like afraid of driving at that point, but it just felt like again he wasn't hitting quite like the driving angles as quickly as he needed to, making those decisions. uh, If he had made them you know half second sooner, been a bit more sure of himself in this game, maybe we're talking about another 20 point outing from Jalen Green, but I don't want to make too much of it because again, like Steven Silas said, right? He's just 19. He's still a kid. He's still a rookie. He's still figuring things out. And I think there was a lot kind of a lot of pressure, maybe kind of going into this game with no KPJ, no Christian Wood, all the turmoil that the team was facing. And Jalen Green had been performing really, really well coming into this game, you know, coming back from the hamstring injury. And so, not that he was like set up to fail in this one, but we need to also kind of temper our expectations and realize, hey, he's still figuring things out, he's still learning, and I don't think that we need to like suddenly freak out and be like, oh, he had a bad game. No, it's bump in the road, you know, bad games happen and they're gonna look at the film, they're gonna figure it out, and they're gonna move forward with it. Now I will say that Rockets fans were largely frustrated that Jalen only played 27 minutes in this game and they were largely frustrated with the lineups in this one and I will say that I don't know why like uh, frankly you know especially like so Jalen checked back in kind of later in the second quarter but it really felt like that lineup that was on the floor kind of had things going and you know we're we're were really kind of in control of stuff in that second quarter. So maybe I understand Steven Silas waiting a little bit longer to put Jalen back in uh, in the second quarter. And then as far as the end of the game goes, like the game was kind of over. Like I'm not like, yeah, I mean, a- and it's not that Jalen's on like an active minutes restriction, but he is still fresh back from a hamstring injury that they're trying to monitor, right? And he had already had kind of some struggles in in this game specifically where just offensively certain things you know certain shots weren't falling for him he was just one of five from behind the three point line he wasn't you know driving with near as confidence he was missing some bunnies right at the rim and so i think that maybe just like ease up on steven silas right like i think like steven silas catches a lot of flack for really like no good reason i think um and I've been like highly critical of Steven Silas. Like I've like sat here and been like, why the hell is he doing XYZ? Why is this happening? Why isn't this happening? Like what's going, but I don't think like being upset that Jalen played 27 minutes versus 32 minutes is like a reason to be upset. Jalen was having an off night. Maybe Steven Silas saw that and elected to not like throw him back into the deep end and continue to struggle in the fourth quarter. And If you're sitting there like foaming at the mouth saying, oh, he needs all the minutes he can get. He's like, I mean, sure. Like, yeah, but maybe there is such a thing in Steven Silas's mind as like unproductive minutes and reps on the floor, right? If Jalen's having an off night, if he's struggling against a specific look that a defense is giving him and not like finding the seams, not finding the spots where he needs to to be successful against a certain team in particular, then why throw him back out there to continue struggling? Why not, you know, let him rest, let him chill for a little bit. You pull him out, and then you revisit the film tape. and You say, hey, or the, the film tape. You, re- you revisit the game. I mean, technically film tapes, right? Right? Anyways, you revisit the game tape, right? And you say, hey, these are the spots that I saw you struggling in. And you go over that film, and then you get it right for the next time that these two teams play, or the next time that Jalen Green is on the floor, or the next time he sees a defense kind of like this one. But I don't think you should be up in arms about Jalen playing just 27 minutes in a blowout. Like, that's just, that's just my two cents. And you can disagree with me on that if you want. I don't sit here, and I'm not telling you what to think. Those are just my thoughts on it. Um, worth noting, a couple, couple throwaways here at the end of the pod, um, some things that I didn't get to dive into specifically. But shout out to uh, Jay Sean Tate and largely the Rockets bench unit, which, again, I do think that the bench unit did a really incredible job, especially in that second quarter um, kind of – taking control of the game a little bit. And uh, shout out to Jay Sean Tate and Josh Christopher really stepping up as far as playmaking is concerned uh, without having Kevin Porter Jr. in this game. Uh, Josh Christopher had that one crazy lob to Jalen Green, which was so electric. Uh, Love watching Jalen Green catch lob passes because he gets so high in the air. And then KJ Martin uh, was playing like an absolute man in this game, you know, absolutely all over the glass, both ends of the floor, Um, and I think that that's a way that KJ can continue to, you know, carve out significant rotation minutes because there's like, it's hard to quantify having a guy that can like crash the offensive glass, offensive glass, the way that he does right. As a leaper, uh, as somebody who times his rebounding really, really well, he finished with eight rebounds. Five of them were on the offensive glass, right. And being able to get those second chance opportunities either for himself right there at the rim or kickouts for three pointers. Those are huge. And they, those, you know, opportunities are like momentum builders that can really like turn the tide of a game in your favor. So shout out to KJ Martin for his production. Shout out to again, David Nwaba, who continues to be a consummate professional and, Whether he's asked to guard LeBron James or whether he's asked to guard Joel Embiid or whether he's asked to guard Russell Wett, like it doesn't matter. Like David Nwaba just goes out there and does what he's supposed to do. Trey Young, um, you know, in the Rockets comeback win against Atlanta, Uh, Dave just goes out there. Shout out Uncle Dave. He, you know, lays it all out every single time he goes to play, Uh, doesn't take shortcuts. I think that he is exactly the type of veteran that you want. On this team, a guy that can, you know, he can collect a few DMPs and then when it's time for his number to be called, he's going to check in and give it all he got, all he's got every single time. So just wanted to highlight him. And it was also really good having DJ Augustine back out there, although DJ uh, definitely not one of his better games in a Rockets jersey. Still nice to see him back out there on the floor. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode uh, as always, thanks for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also check out the new Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. What was your favorite thing about this Rockets 76ers game? I know it was an L, but there were some good storylines from it and a productive half of basketball before Joel Embiid became too much for this Rockets team. So what was your favorite thing from this game? Let me know in the comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.